Hello and a very warm welcome to our next edition of our Infologic Crossroads podcast. I'm Alex McLeod and I head the EMEA Research Division here at Infologic. I'm joined by Giulio Comolini, Head of Americas, and special guest EMEA News Editor Stefano Berra. Welcome both. Hi, Alex. 2021 was a record-breaking year for infrastructure finance with over 1 trillion US dollars of deal-making across over 3,000 transactions. With the help of Giulio and Stefano, this podcast aims to unpack the data for the first half of 2022, making some comparisons and exploring some key trends and takeaways. So to start, in the second quarter, total global deal volume hit just under $200 billion. This was the lowest quarter since 1Q21. But to place this in context, 4Q21 and 1Q22 were unusually high. Uh, 1Q22 posted deal activity that more closely resembled a fourth quarter. So overall, although the first half of this year was record-breaking, with nearly $470 billion of deals made, it was in no small part due to the first quarter. Meanwhile, results from 4Q21 tower over previous years, so they seem to represent the exception rather than the rule, and we await to see whether those lofty heights will be achieved again this year. Next, global refinancing numbers took a hit in the second quarter, dipping to just below $43 billion, a 31% decrease from just over $62 billion the same time last year. So if we think about the major events that happened this year, we can understand why. The invasion by Ukraine of Russia in February 2022 and the subsequent decisions by European and other markets to wean themselves off Russian gas has had a knock-on effect on energy prices, which were already high due to the COVID-19 supply shock and other factors. The inflation we're experiencing, unprecedented at least in most of our lifetimes, and the interest rate hikes have caused sponsors and lenders to be cautious. Infologic's head of data, Juan Pereira, wrote in his recent article that last year's record activity was driven by a desire to get deals done before an anticipated jump in inflation rates. And that's an interesting point. Julio, do you fancy breaking this down uh, perhaps a bit further for our listeners? Yeah, Alex. I mean, I think it's very interesting how, despite all the global uncertainties you just mentioned, and we're currently experiencing, that that figures increased year over year, especially for, for loans, right? I mean, we saw many Greenfield projects securing long-term financing, such as the, the financing for the Platinum Mines Parish LNG uh, in the US, but also the expansion of JFK's Terminal 1 in New York City. But I'm also thinking, still in the US, of the uh, finally funded Maryland uh, Purple Line PPP. We saw like many Greenfield projects finally getting funded, all by loans. Actually, the Maryland Purple, uh, um, Purple Line P3 uh, was funded through tax-exempt bonds, but it was kind of the exceptions. Loans figures recorded a volume of around $215 billion in this first half of the year. And this is actually a record uh, recorded at Infralogic if we only take into account the first two quarters of the year. However, uh, if loans went up, uh, bonds actually decreased quite massively, frankly, because it was around a 35% decrease year over year. Um, Especially for refinancing, we saw way weaker figures in bond issuances. As I said before, there are like many components, but also it's something in line with the fact that we come from a record year, such as uh, 2021 in deal making. Mm, thanks, Julio. That's really interesting. Uh, do you notice any specific sectoral trends? 
Yeah, I mean, if we just like focus on uh, energy transition, on the energy transition sphere, uh, which for Infralogic, this does not include renewables, uh, I think it's very interesting the steady growth of deal making, right? So we saw many, many deals closing, especially in the LNG uh, subsector. We're still not very, very sure if this is related to the war in Ukraine. And as you said, like the fact of relying less on Russian gas, but a lot of focus has been put on this sector right now. So I said many, many deals, but especially large deals. I'm thinking of multi, multi-billion dollar financing, such as the 10 years Corpus Christi uh, 3 project in the US, but also the uh, Pluto train 2 in Australia, which was acquired by GAP, or the sale of a of a 10% stake of Sempra Infrastructure Partner uh, that happened last month, and it was acquired by the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority. So it's a very, very hot market. On the other hand, however, we saw a decrease in the deal value for transaction in the renewables uh, sector, especially last quarter, we saw a decrease in both solar and uh, onshore wind deals, right? And they are basically the main uh, subsectors of renewables, and they are would usually carry the market. But again, especially second quarter, big decrease. Interesting. Thanks. Yeah, it would be good also to mention transport, which has had a bit of a different story. So transport had a strong year so far this year. In the second quarter, the sector reached $58 billion in value across 104 transactions. In fact, it was the top sector in Infologic's 1H22 rankings, surpassing other usual leaders like renewables and telecoms for the first time since 4Q 2018. So the sector owes its position to several massive deals this year, including the $18.9 billion sale of the uh, ASPI. I won't attempt the Italian pronunciation with two Italians on the call. ASPI uh, Highway Concession by uh, Edizione to a consortium of uh, Blackstone Infrastructure Partners, CDP and Macquarie. Uh, And in 1Q22, the $23.6 billion sale of Sydney Airport to a consortium of IFM, Australian Super, GIP, and the uh, Australian Retirement Trust. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was very hot market, but also telecommunications perform very, very well. Yes, indeed. It would be remiss of me not to, to mention telecoms, which has posted a big growth since COVID-19, you know, thanks to the efforts of investors and governments to improve fiber broadband capabilities. But in, in fact, the trends for this sector, they broadly mirror the overall figures discussed at the outset. 2Q22 was a comparatively small quarter, the smallest uh, since 1Q21, with 80 deals closed at just over $32 billion. As a comparison, the quarter before, deal volume was over twice as high. But of course, you know, $32 billion is no insignificant amount. Uh, and a host of multi-billion dollar deals were also closed in uh, the second quarter. And the largest of those was a $4.9 billion debt raise for infrastructure fund-backed fiber operator City Fiber. Yeah, Alex, I mean, obviously, you being the head of the EMEA team, you you keep mentioning the European deals. But also in North America, we saw a very, very exciting market. So many opportunities, even though we saw a a minor volume of deal making year over year, but very high values in closed transactions. And this is because basically the deals they closed were very large. Again, we mentioned before some, the LNG ones, JFK, Maryland, Purple Line. And basically, all these ones, they carry the market, right? In the US, I just want to mention that energy and transportation were the best performers year over year. Um, Renewables, again, not so much. But I just want to mention that this week, the Democrats agreed on a legislative uh, package of $370 billion in clean energy spending. Um, And this actually gives 
a little bit more of hope to this sector. Not many deals on this have been released yet, but what's out there is that the bill could support investments in renewables, hydrogen, and energy storage. So again, very, very exciting uh, and many opportunities ahead. Yeah, interesting indeed. Very interesting on the uh, the US's strong performance. Because Europe over recent years, you know, bar one quarter in Q3 last year, uh, it always comes above North America when it comes to total deal volume and deal volume. But in you know this quarter, this quarter it was eighteen billion dollars below. So I, I don't actually have any solid or well-grounded conclusions as to why. But I suppose you know, again, coming back to the Ukraine situation, investors may have become more cautious in certain sectors and in certain markets. Nevertheless, a, a top performer was the Italian market in one H twenty-two. And coming back to the massive ASPI deal mentioned earlier, Stefano, what are your thoughts? Will we see deals of a, of a similar magnitude? Yes, Alex. So I think the large increase in deal volumes in the Italian market that we have seen recently was certainly led by uh, some of uh, some mega deal, mega transactions in transport and fiber, and in particular the ASPI sale that you just mentioned. And the ASPI sale, to give a bit of context, was uh, the sale of an 88% stake in Autostrade per l'Italia, which is the largest toll road company in Italy to a consortium of uh, CDP, Macquarie, and Blackstone. And the value was, uh, the equity value of the deal was 8.2 billion. So it's far above other recent deals in Italy. But before that, we've seen other deals of that magnitude in uh, recent months. So we've seen, for example, the investments by uh, KKR in Telecom Italia's fixed line network in Italy. We've seen the investments by Macquarie in Open Fiber, which is another fiber operator. And we've also seen an investment by Ardian in Inuit, which is the largest tower company, the telecom tower company in uh, in Italy. Um, and before that, we've also seen another toll road transaction in Italy uh, that was particularly large, which is the take privates of uh, ASTM, the second largest uh, road operator. Uh, so clearly, there's been a number of deals that are unusually large for the Italian markets um, in, in the past few months. And what we normally see after several deals of this size is often a dip in the market where transaction uh, volumes go down. Uh, however, um, at the moment, what we can see is that there are several transactions in the making that indicate the numbers could actually go up in the next quarters. So one is the deal that you mentioned earlier, the Take Private of Atlantia. Um, Atlantia is the former owner of uh, ASPI, um, and it also still owns, after the sale of ASPI, a number of other toll road assets and airport assets too. What we're seeing at the moment is um, Edizione, the holding company of the Benetton family, one of Italy's wealthiest families and well-known families, that has teamed up with uh, Blackstone Infrastructure to buy up and delist Atlantia. And the expected equity value of this deal is $19 billion. So more than twice as much as the ASPI deal. And another mega deal that is on the horizon is a possible sale by Telecom Italia, the um, uh, telecoms incumbent in Italy, possible sale of the rest of their fixed network. And that again is a huge deal, which analysts expect could be valued at 21 billion. So if you take these two deals currently ongoing that could close or could happen soon, we're looking at 40 billion of potential investments uh, coming down. And on top of that, there's also other possible transport deals in the wings that are more uncertain, 
that largely depend on traffic recovery and uh, um, what happens with uh, passenger numbers and traffic after COVID-19. One is uh, the possible sale of uh, Italo, uh, which is the main private high-speed rail operator in Italy um, that is being discussed at the moment. The deal is very much uncertain. We don't know if uh, the sale is going to happen or not, but it's a possibility. And another one that is uh, being discussed is the privatization of Catania Airport, a large airport in uh, uh, Sicily that could also uh, take place in the coming months. And there are also other deals that are being uh, prepared in the digital infrastructure space. Um, One deal that we've seen recently of a certain magnitude was the acquisition by Asterion of uh, Aridios, a fiber uh, and data center company. So there is clearly the signs of a pipeline of deals uh, coming down the line. Interesting indeed. What are your thoughts about all this? What's the outlook for the future, do you think? We need to consider what was the reason for for a lot of these deals. Some of the deals um, have been driven by unexpected events. Uh, For example, the the sale of ASPI was driven by pressure from the previous government um, after the uh, the tragic collapse of the general breach that the company was managed. So this is um, a deal that was in many ways exceptional. But many of the deals, of the other deals that we've seen happening and are seeing um, could happen in the future, are linked to uh, structural factors and investment opportunities that we are seeing also elsewhere in Europe um, and elsewhere in the world as well. Um, so this points to um, probably a continuing deal flow uh, in Italy. So I think there are the basis there for a developing market. So some of these trends we've seen elsewhere in Europe, we've seen clearly uh, the need for more private investment in digital infrastructure that is driving some of these deals. We have seen also a shift um, of ownership of established infrastructure assets from public markets, so stock markets, to private market ownership, so to uh, infrastructure funds. And this is particularly strong in transport. And the reason for this is largely because public markets are being hit by the sell-off that is uh, uh, that has been going on for some months, while private infrastructure funds tend to take a long ter- longer-term view. And another key trend that we are seeing in Italy, that we are seeing also elsewhere in Europe, is the growth of investment in renewable energy. Uh, we've seen some some significant deals in uh, recent months, like uh, acquisition of Falk Renewables by the uh, IAF fund of JP Morgan, and we've seen. Other brownfield is being prepared and a lot of greenfield development uh, taking place, particularly in solar and offshore wind. All of these are trends um, that have structural um, reasons behind them and are expected to continue. So in many ways, we've seen that the Italian marketing recently, in the past few months and maybe year or 18 months, has become more aligned with other European markets and is following some of the same trends that we've seen in other markets which is probably something that wasn't happening a few years ago. So again, in the next few months, we might see the Italian market affected by the same factors that are creating uncertainty elsewhere in Europe. For example, the crisis in Ukraine, the energy crisis, the rise in inflation, rise in, in interest rates. And so these are things to watch out for. Now, for Italy specifically, we might also uh, be at a turning point uh, driven by internal politics uh, because we've seen just in recent weeks uh, the collapse of the government of uh, Mario Draghi. Since the beginning of 2021, Draghi has played a stabilizing role that has convinced and uh, lots of investors has been largely welcome. For example, the role of the government was important because Draghi took a lot of political heat out of some of the mega deals that were being prepared. For example, the merger 
between the network of Telecom Italia and Open Fiber because he was signaling to investors that he wanted, that he preferred the market to take its course rather than the government to drive uh, deals. So that was a very welcome position that drove a lot of investments. However, we've seen the government has uh, just collapsed. There are new elections coming up on the horizon. So a lot of the certainty and a lot of the uh, confidence um, that has uh, motivated investors could suddenly disappear. So this is clearly something to watch. We're just about out of time, but thank you, uh, Stefano and Giulio, for joining the podcast. Well, thank you very much. This has been Infologic's Crossroads podcast. We've had Stefano Berra from Editorial and Giulio Camolini from Research. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And thank you for listening. And lastly, see you next time. Mm-hmm.